All right, so let's go Lord in prayer. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We just thank you for the time that we have together and uh, just to learn more about you. And again, as I say every week, uh, just to read and learn about the love letter that you wrote us and uh, just how we get to know you and not only get to know you in a more intimate way uh, into this fellowship with you uh, through the Holy Spirit in Christ, but to apply your principles that you've shared with us to get to know you and how we can apply these to our lives to make us better people and not just to make us better people but how we can just glorify you in all our actions. I just ask that tonight we just again put all our uh, distractions aside and just focus on you and just learn as much as we can about you. Take away what we can take away and I just ask you just remove the man and just you uh, just do the speaking. We thank you, Lord, for this time. Uh, thank you for the beautiful weather you've given us. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, so we've already went through uh, kind of... Uh, focus on, we've looked at Christ superior to the prophets. Christ superior to the angels. Uh, and talking about the new covenant. So now we're going to look at... Uh, chapter 2, and we're going to focus on mainly verses 1 through 4. That's going to be our text for the night. And we're talking about drifting away. And that is understanding, like we were talking at the very beginning, what Hebrews, I mean, when we're studying any book in the Bible, uh, so who, what, where, and why's uh, that we need to focus on. It's the context of who was wrote to, why it was wrote, the people, the recipients. So we know the recipients on here. We don't know the author, but we know the recipients. And the recipients were newer uh, converts to Christianity. And this letter is to exhort them, don't fall away, don't go back to, uh, like my daughter would say, incomplete religion. Christ is here, so he's went and has laid out this case why Christ is superior to the prophets, why Christ is superior to the angels. We don't worship angels. We are here to worship Christ. So there's some exhortations through this that we're going to look at that this writer is going to be telling us. So the writer of the Hebrews was concerned about the spiritual well-being of the, the recipients, the people that are going to be listening, and he calls them brethren So in the book. So he knows these people. So whether they're like close friends or passerbys they happen to know in the neighborhood or what, we're not sure. But we know because he calls them brethren. So we know that he knows them. They were fellow Jews who had become Christians. Uh, his concerns were that they not drift back into Judaism because that would lead into uh, non-salvation. They, they, if they go back to this Judaism, once tasting the glory, and then they go back, uh, I mean, there's no salvation if they go back and they turn from Christ. So... And he deals with this problem in a couple different ways. Uh, by emphasizing the superior, superiority of Christ in the New Covenant, and by a series of exhortations for them to remain steadfast going forward from that point on. And understand, we've said at the very beginning, 66 AD-ish. And just before the temple and the massive persecution really started happening. 
so uh, they're starting to get a little name calling maybe I don't know exactly but you get the idea they're just starting to feel this persecution because they're Christians now and so he's he wants them to remain steadfast always moving towards the faith so in chapter one like I said the superiority of Christ uh, and the angels now we come to the first of several exhortations so we're gonna be focusing like I said in chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 in which we find warnings about drifting away and carrying along in the wrong direction by a subtle current so if you're in you've seen like these massive flash floods and you're out there and you get caught in these flash floods man you get taken away fast direction you might be going in one direction and then next thing you know you're gone and you're going in the complete opposite direction so when we look at this oh it's okay uh, so when we when we look at these so he's going to be looking at these different currents uh, as far as like waves and just a subtle flow Okay, so in this lesson, we're going to examine the, examine the reasons be, behind these exhortations, and we're also going to look at various currents, what can cause us to drift away, and the key to avoiding this drifting away part. So, reasons for the ex exhortation. Why did he give these? Oh, thank you. Why did he give these exhortations? Okay, is it, or is it possible for us just to drift away from our salvation? Yes, it is possible, and let me explain it a little bit, and we'll get into it a little bit more. Uh, these Christians, have they, it's like they've had this appetizer. They haven't totally got into the entree yet. So they're just baby Christians. They're just learning what's going on. So is it possible for them to drift away? Yes, it is. It is possible for them to drift away and move away from, from Christ. So we can certainly neglect our salvation. So let's read, I want to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Oh, by the way, we're in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I didn't know if you heard me. Uh, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So he exhorts us to be steadfast in the faith. And why would we neglect this salvation? So he talks about in verse 3 how shall we escape if we neglect what's he talking about what's he talking about escaping our just reward which bingo exactly for the drifting away so how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation which was first given to us by the Lord different signs and miracles things were laid out 
all through and he went through chapter one and we we saw how it, the salvation was laid out so he's, he exhorts us to we can't neglect our salvation can one reach a point where the sacrifice of Christ is no longer available for our sins and then also I want to look at uh, can someone fall away and it be impossible for us to, re to renew, to go back, to renew our salvation. So let's look at Hebrews 6. Save your spot because we're going to be back there. Look at Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. And I've read a bunch of different things on this, so there's different viewpoints on that. It depends if you believe in eternal security or you can lose your salvation. There, I've read different points of this, this scripture. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power excuse me, and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. So from, at first glance, it sounds like he's saying that you can lose your salvation. That's what it sounds like. I mean, if you just kind of glance at it and read it and just read it by itself, that's what it sounds like. It, once you've walked away and you've lost your salvation, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, it's kind of open, so if you think I'm wrong, I mean, definitely tell me, uh, that once you've walked away from that salvation, that there's no way you can come back. I look at it a little bit differently, that if someone is, it's like someone has tasted the entree a little bit and hasn't full-blown got into it, they would be a false Christian if they were to walk away from it. So they weren't truly saved to begin with. So can someone in that aspect say that they walked away? They can be a professing Christian. I call them Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Christian. They are Dr. Jekyll Monday through Saturday and Dr. Mr. Christian on a Sunday. So are they truly a Christian? I don't know. Obviously I can't judge their heart. I can't judge that but you're known by your fruits. So by appearance wise, it would look like they weren't saved. So it's a tough one to, but knowing that I believe that the Bible is very clear in teaching that you can't lose your salvation. If you are truly, if you are truly saved in your heart, you've truly accepted Christ that you can't walk away because it's interesting what Christ said who God puts in his hands no man can take away do I am I included in myself as no man in that when it says no man so I can't take myself out of that if I have truly given my life over to the Lord truly and I have to emphasize, truly given my life over to the Lord, I can't even remove myself out of that because I would be considered no man. I would be in that group. So I, I think what he's talking about in this right here is the uh, people that haven't truly, truly committed their life over. So they're not true, uh, true believers. But he gives that exhortation anyways. And says 
because people were they were starting to drift away but were these people like totally committed they were almost you can almost say maybe superficial I'm sure some of them were probably superficial Christians they're like oh all these groups of the people are coming becoming saved so they're like oh I'm gonna kind of follow the bandwagon this current that they were gonna try to follow uh, and we see that a lot in society now that professing Christians but then you see what like especially celebrities professing Christians but then you see what their actions are on TV you see what their actions are whether they're in a game or, or whatever however you want to whatever field they're in uh, but you see their actions truly tell you what is in their heart I believe uh, so he gives that exhortation so but drifting away is real it is very real because, yeah, like uh, we mentioned before, our desert experience down in Utah, that it was great, all focus, hardcore, studying the word, listening to uh, Charles Stanley, Michael Youssef, I mean, all these really good teachers. And then, wow, what happened? We got cable. And then the, the, the TV got involved, the thought vacuum got involved, and you have that drifting away part. So anything can take you away but do I, am I saying that, that your salvation is gone? No, but there's that drifting away. And like I said, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, absolutely. And Yes. No, exactly. And then that's the point is uh, that once you've you've gone away, I mean, God will bring you back. I mean, and it was with my back injury, God brought me back because I was laid up. I was out of work. Yeah, uh, I was out of work for 13 months, and I pretty much what did I do? What did we do? We studied, and God knew what it took to literally take the carpet out from underneath me. And I was done and we started studying. So God knew what it would take to bring me back. And, and it did, we lost everything, absolutely everything. We lost everything, ended up on an Indian reservation out in Pipe Springs, Nevada, uh, Nevada Arizona. Yeah, Air, Pipe Springs, Arizona. So you tell me that was a desert experience. It was pretty cool. Uh, so the dignity of the one through whom God has spoken. Okay, as noted in Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 2, God now speaks through to us through His Son. We've seen that His, well, we've seen that this Son is, in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, superior to the prophets. We've seen in Hebrews 1, 4 through 14, that He is superior to the angels. We've seen that the Son is also the appointed heir of all things the brightness of the, God, the God's glory, the express image of His person. That is probably one of my most favorite descriptions of who Christ is. The express image of His person. I mean, that's just saying, okay, here I am, uh, I'm God, and you're not. Uh, I, I can't, I, being an artist, I can paint a picture of Mickey Mouse, and it looks just as good as Disney's version of Mickey Mouse. But is it? No, it's not. It's just my rendition of it. But when he says he is the express, the exact 
exact image of his person. That is, Christ, that is God incarnate on earth. That's probably, like I said, one of my favorite expressions. Also says, we've seen that the Son is a sustainer and the redeemer. The firstborn, not just because he was born first coming out of the womb, but he was the firstborn who receives worship. And uh, God, the enthroned, like we were talking about, he's quoting uh, uh, Psalms, uh, was 104. And saying that he is the Lord, he is Yahweh. So he, like I said in the very beginning, he laid out this case. He is sovereign, reigning at God's right hand. Now God spoke through, or when God spoke through the angels, his word proved steadfast. Every transgression, Hebrews 2.2, 2, every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. I mean, our... Pastor Phil has said it many, many times. We deserve the flames of hell. And like you said earlier, it is just by the gift of God. And this is what he's trying to explain. We have to steadfast and persevere to the end. Uh, don't worry about these name callings or this slight persecution you're going through. We have to steadfast and we need to stay the course. Finish this race, like Paul says, finish this race what we've started already and go through the finish line. Finish line, what is that? Heaven. In the presence of God. So that is the race that we're racing right now, every single day. And do we glorify God every single day? Do we put Him first in everything that we do? Every actions, <laughs> every single action we do, everything that we say, everything we want to do, do we put Christ first? Exactly. I, I mean, that is something that we, like last week I said, put someone in front of us that we can share our faith. Just, God, create that path. Put someone in our path that we can share our faith with. And I was able to share my faith with someone. And it was, it was good. I was able to, while I was at work, uh, pray with someone. <laughs> and, yeah, I'd say that real quietly. Uh, but I was able to pray with someone. And it was good. It was, it was fine. And it wasn't like, kind of look around, is anyone watching? At that moment, I really didn't care that I, I prayed with someone. I didn't. Uh, should I be more careful? Yes, yeah, my workplace. But God calls us first to glorify Him. But also, I guess, we've got to be careful because we're, we're, we're employed. So we have to be careful. Uh, but I just, I, I felt God leading me to share my faith and speak to someone. So I did. So how much more then, when he speaks through a son, will not his word prove just as steadfast? Will not every word, or not, not every, or will not every unrepented transgression, disobedience, receive a just reward? While we do in private, behind closed doors, or while we're in our car, uh, whatever someone cuts you off. I mean, everything is going to be seen. Everything that we do, we think. That's the scary part. It's one thing to, everything that we do, everything that someone can see us or hear us is, will be held against us. We'll be judged accordingly. But it's also our thoughts. That are our thoughts. And that's 
that's a scary, scary thought. No pun intended. But to think about every one of our thoughts are going to be held captive. We, we need to hold our thoughts captive and not and glorify God in every situation that we can. So, we can't neglect the word of God spoken through a son. I'll move on. The confirmation given this revelation. The word spoken by the son was confirmed by his apostle, uh, by his apostles in Hebrews 2.3. We'll go back. And again, Hebrews 2.3, How shall we neglect so great a salvation that was first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed by those who heard Him? Individuals who are eyewitnesses. We can look at Acts 10.39-41. So yeah, turn to Acts 39, or Acts 10. And we are all, and we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us whom ate, or who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. So this message was confirmed afterwards. So he's, he's repeating these things. The writer of Hebrews is repeating these things. Listen, we have eyewitnesses. Why are you wanting to go back? Why are we wanting to neglect what some of you might have even heard? The word spoken by the Son was confirmed even more in Hebrews 2.4. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. So by God Himself through His signs and wonders and miracles confirmed the message. By the Holy Spirit the gifts according to His will. 1 Corinthians 12, 7-11. So what we, what we lose if we drift away. So if we drift away, Hebrews 2, 3. So great, we lose that, that salvation if we drift away. It is a great salvation because it offers such things. So let's look at some of the things. What does the salvation offer? What is he trying to push? Or not push, but what is he trying to emphasize to these readers? Or these listeners? Us being readers, he'd be read but multiple people are going to be hearing this. It was passed around to all the churches. So because it offers such things as the forgiveness of sin. Old Testament. Rituals in the temple. Covered, but never removed sins. And that's that forgiveness of sins. 
the transformation of a character by, by providing power over sin. Before we were saved, before we accepted Christ, I'll just use me as an example. I drank, I did drugs, I was a womanizer. Uh, that all started when I was like 16, 17, 18 years old. I mean, I started early. I didn't think anything of it to do bad stuff. Uh, thought nothing of it whatsoever. But afterwards, after becoming saved, after accepting the Lord and making Him our or my Savior, then we have that transformation of character that provides that power over sin. Because without the Holy Spirit, I believe without the Holy Spirit, we're powerless. We're evil to the core. We were born that way. So it's just through the Holy Spirit and that transgression. There's good people out there that are atheists, that are non-believers. There's good people. I'm not going to say there's not, because there are. And can, can atheists or non-believers do morally good things? Yes, of course. It's not this exclusive thing that only Christians can do morally good things. We just understand where that moral standard comes from. And we know why we do these morally right and just things. They have nothing to stand on. And also, by the assurance of God's fatherly presence. I don't know how many times I've read, I've listened, I've, uh, I've watched programs that that God is our, our, our Father. And, and just the other day, I have to say this, the other day watching someone bow to the leader of the Catholic Church, this image came to my mind of Peter, the Apostle Peter, when these people wanted to bow to him. And he's like, whoa, time out. No, up. I'm a man just like you. But then you have the leader of the Catholic Church accepting and people bowing to him and accepting that. And I, when I see that, I have a problem. I just, I cringe when I see that because God is our Father. And there's that fatherly presence. I mean, I don't know if you've felt that when, uh, when I lost my dad, uh, December 1st, 2011, I was lost. I admit, up in Martha and Mary, walked outside, I can't remember ever crying so hard. It was uncontrollable. It was raining, but then uh, I knew that I had a Father in Heaven. And that presence, I felt that presence of, of God, and it wasn't this you're going to be okay. It wasn't this audible voice. But I felt that presence that I know I'm not alone. I felt the same thing. Something happened when my brother died in 96. Similar. Not the same, but similar. I knew that he was going to be okay. I just knew uh, that he was going to be okay. He was in a better place. But if we don't drift away, we have that assurance of 
God's, that fatherly presence in our lives. And if we have that salvation, and we keep that salvation, and we keep that, like what Pastor Phil said this morning, I mean, just because you're dogging on some other religion and refuting it, that's not sharing the gospel to someone. And that hit hard. That hit home this morning when I heard that. And I'm just thinking, wow, I've trashed on Mormonism. I've done extensive research on Islam and trashed on it. But that's not the same as sharing the true gospel, sharing Christ crucified, buried, and risen. It's not the same. We have a clear and peaceful conscience when we're saved. And I think, most of all, we have that hope and that surety of heaven when we don't drift away. And when we stay steadfast, we stay in the Word, and we study every day, we are in God. Like I said, it's like if my wife would have wrote me a love letter, three, four, five page love letter, and I, I open it and I look and I'm like, oh, to my dearest Pat, oh, that was so cool, and I put it aside. Did I really get to know how she feels about me? because I didn't finish reading it. I just thought that was kind of cool. Put it aside. By studying and being steadfast and being in His Word, we get to know. And we get to know His love letter that He wrote to us. So, just as those who neglected the Word spoken through the angels, i.e. the Law of Moses, uh, they lost the Promised Land. They didn't listen. And they weren't able to go into the promised land. They said, nope, we're going to drift. They didn't listen. So there are grave consequences for those who neglect the salvation spoken to us, spoken to us by the Son. Such neglect is possible when we drift away. Following that metaphor that we were using about drifting away, uh, what currents, and this is what I want to kind of look at tonight, is what currents, mainly, are we looking at? The currents that can cause us to drift away. Uh, so, turn to Galatians 9, or Galatians 6, sorry. Galatians 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So how many times do we grow weary? I mean, we can be doing good things, good things, good things, and all that, and you're just like, oh, and you're just like, okay, I'm tired. I'm just done. And you just want to kind of hang up the Bible for a little while and just take a break. Or you get the burnout or whatever. So, Time. You've heard that expression that pastors have been pastors for years and years and years and they're just burnt out. And that time can create, uh, or we can grow weary from that. As time passes by, we can gradually lose some of that fervor of our devotion. Do you remember when you were saved? 
and that excitement that you felt you couldn't get enough it's like Christmas morning you run downstairs you couldn't sleep all night and you see all these presents and you have that motorcycle dirt bike you wanted all your life there's that wow that excitement that rush I can say that because I got a dirt bike for Christmas and it was really 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 cool except when I went out to ride it there was like a quarter inch of ice everywhere so to get from my house to the place I rode I fell like three or four times uh, once I got there it was really really cool but it took me about 45 minutes to get there uh, but there's that feeling, that excitement, you just couldn't, couldn't wait. No, I don't care about the other presents. I got a motorcycle. There's that, that exhilarating feeling. Same thing when we're saved. There's that feeling, that fervor, that desire that I can't get enough of God. I can't get enough of reading his book, learning everything, studying as much as I can. Have we lost that? Has America, has the American church lost that fervor to learn as much as we can about God? Yes. So he's encouraging these believers, do not lose that fervor, that desire, that passion to learn about God, to learn as much as we can. It wasn't that long ago that Christ was here walking among us. Some of them probably heard, I don't know, but you figure it was only like 66 AD, so 30 years, quite possibly some of them actually heard him speak in the temple. So, just because time passed from the time that you were saved till now, it could have been saved 40, 50 years or whatever, uh, don't lose that, that fervor of that devotion that we have and he's telling them not to. We may begin to rest on time or on past accomplishments and cease pressing forward. Oh, I remember the first time I preached in front of the public. Mesquite, Nevada. Just south of St. George on the freeway. I was just ecstatic. I was able to preach. Very first time in front of a church. I was nervous. I was sweating. I mean, literally. Keep wiping my head. I was sweating. I was so nervous. Uh, and for the longest time, I was like, "Yeah, I preached in front of this church and all that." And it was like this major accomplishment. Uh, but it was all about me. It wasn't about talking about God or anything. It was all about me. But that was great back then. Or when I preached here the first time, that was cool. I enjoyed that. I was scared to death, but I liked it. And it was on a topic that I was familiar with and I was comfortable with. Uh, but then, that was yesterday. What am I doing today? What am I going to do tomorrow? And am I going to continue that devotion, continually devoting myself to, to God's Word? So time can create that current, that slow, drifting, current. The current of familiarity. As we become familiar with the truth, it may seem commonplace to us. So how many times we just take it for granted when we say Christ died on the cross for our sins? And when we say that to ourselves, how many times can we just, we get so complacent when we say that? Every single time when I hear Pastor Phil talk about what Christ has done and what he went through it chokes him up 
and I have the hardest time keeping the camera steady because I choke up every single time that I think about and I try to keep my composure and think about what if, if we were the only person on earth he would have done the same thing I like I've heard that a million times but I would have done the same I mean he would have done that for us if we were the only person on earth luckily we're not but do we become complacent? Or we may lose the sense of that novelty uh, and not, we basically take it for granted. We don't, we shouldn't take it for granted. Like the Ephesians, we may lose our first love. That's the one thing we should never lose is that first love of God's word for us. The current of society. The tides of, tides of modern opinion can easily induce us. Uh, what's going on in our society right now? I mean, Christian rights are being taken away. And we are becoming the minority. And it's getting worse and worse. And it's going to continue. It's not getting better. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse and worse. I mean, why? Well, let's re read the end of the story. <laughs> and read the end of the story and we know what's going to happen. Do we know when it's going to happen? No, but we can see t signs of the times. We can look at the newspaper and look at the Bible on the other hand and like, wow, that's kind of interesting and seeing things that are happening right in front of us. So we can't lose focus on our first love. So, bombarded by the secular humanism, false religions, and even plastic Christianity, offered us truth, it's hard to, to sometime maintain, especially if we stand. If we stand fervent and we stand for uh, biblical Christianity and what the Bible teaches, we are basically alienating ourselves from society. And it's going to get to a point where uh, we are the outside, the extreme outsiders. We are, we're already Christians. What, James Dobson, I think you said, was called a terrorist? And, I mean, things like that. I mean, that, when I heard that, that just kind of blew me away. Putting them in the same class. And then uh, teaching our kids about the Bible is child abuse. What, Richard Dawkins said that? And wow, uh, then I must be a terroristic child abuser. In, in their eyes, in their eyes, that's what I am. And uh, my brother, you know, one of my brothers, who's not a believer, uh, used to call me some pretty nasty names. But that's okay. I mean, I've, called, I've been called a lot worse. Uh, a Bible thumper. Like, really? Okay. I'll, I'll take that. I mean, that's okay. Uh, but he used some other explicitives. Uh, so it's hard to, when, when you've got all these outside secular influences, and I'm sure these, Jew, these Jews that, that converted to Christianity, I'm sure they were getting their outside influences, possibly family members that were still practicing Judaism, were pressuring them. And 
he's encouraging them. These are these currents, these slow currents. Not this massive tidal wave that happened in like 80, 70, but I'm talking about these slow currents that are pushing, trying to push you away, push you off focus, push you off balance to basically take your focus off of Christ. Like Peter did when he was walking out on the water. He took his eyes off Christ. What happened? Started sinking. Take your... Yeah, exactly. Distractions. So, it can move us away. Society can. And also the current of the flesh. Our, warf our, our, our warfare is not just from without. It's from within. Coming from other religions or coming from other things, we can uh, struggle. When you're coming from uh, some major religion, denomination, uh, uh, heretical teaching religion, and come to true biblical Christianity, then you're going to have these inside struggles and tears. It took us, when we left Mormonism, uh, it took us a while because we're like, whoa, wait a second. We're looking at this doctrine and then we've been taught for how long, lived in that, that realm for how long, and trying to struggle like, wait, is that true or is this? So it took these, these internal struggles. It took a while to really focus on what the Bible teaches and realize, okay, that was heretical. So there's that inner struggle that we had to fight against. Uh, our flesh is constantly waging war against our souls and against the spirit who desires that we follow him. So we have that pull, that desire, that tugging at our heart, knowing, and hopefully you've, you haven't got, we haven't got to the part where it's like Pharaoh, that our heart is so hardened that we just, God gives us up to a reprobate mind. But you feel that tugging. You know when you've done something wrong. I mean, years ago, doing something wrong, you just can't look at yourself uh, in the mirror. Just can't look at yourself. You're like, I am just a horrible person. I cannot look at myself because I know I did something wrong. That's what I used to do all the time. I couldn't look in the mirror. I go wash my hands. So I just, I literally could not look at myself because I was so ashamed of what I've done. And there's that inner struggle, that tugging, knowing God's speaking to your heart, saying, why did you do that? Why did you say that? And so there's that inner struggle. So it's not just our outer influences that are fighting us, but it's also our inner struggle that's fighting us. And making us doubt. Doubt our faith. So, so we have the current of the flesh. The current of daily concerns. The constant pressure of daily concerns, anxieties, duties, etc. can distract us. Uh, money is a major distraction. And it can pull us away uh, from what we need to focus on. Those anxieties can be really, really tough. So he, he pushes, the writer of Hebrews is basically saying, I understand what you're going through. Kind of like, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And he's explaining to them, you're on the verge, uh, you're doing the right thing. 
you're like you're on that teeter-totter you're on that cliff don't go backwards and how many times have we been on that ledge ready to go the other direction and you feel that inner urging saying no you need to keep walking forward you don't need to go backwards Jesus warned against this on several occasions look at Luke 8 14 uh, 814 sorry if I'm not talking loud enough yeah just yell at me or something so Luke 8 <coughs> excuse me 814 now the ones <coughs> excuse me now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they heard or when they have heard go out and are choked with cares riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity so how many times has the cares of the world distracted us from God's Word should we start every day with prayer yeah should we end every day with prayer so what do we, what do, we do in between study we pray we commune with God that's what we should do what did you say that again fellowship. fellowship with God so any and all things and all these things can slowly move us away from the Lord using me as, as an example didn't think it was a bad thing to, we had just the internet when we were living in Pipe Springs that was it we just had the internet then we, then we had well we had Sky Angels then Sky Angel was going away Christian Broadcasting I wish it was still around but it's no longer around and it was the most awesomest Christian Broadcasting we decided to get cable we just watch it every so often when I was a kid my TV when my parents TV went on at 5 a.m. and went off at 10 a.m. it was on all day long so that's why it's called the thought vacuum so we got cable and then next I know where did my focus go started watching this show oh I got interested in this show oh well this then I got hooked on this show and then I got hooked on this show the one thing that the hook came out of was this I allowed the hook to slip away from this and we went for how long quite a while months two years almost uh, almost two years we went and we just kind of drifted away that current one thing after another one TV show one whatever distraction uh, my motorcycles was a focus and it just little things added on top of each other just like the writer of Hebrews was building this case at the very beginning chapter 1 he's building this case of explaining who's Christ why he did what he did why you shouldn't turn away so he built that case just like this with me it was one thing led to another and then all of a sudden I had this massive distraction uh, that I turned totally turned away so Jesus warned us about this 
And if we're not careful, as we return to the text, we can learn the keys to prevent drifting away. We must give more earnest heed. So, imagine yourself in a canoe in a river with a slow-moving current. Failure to pay attention or pay constant attention leads to drifting. The drifting may be subtle, but often by the time you realize it, it is too late. And do what? Yeah, you do. You hit rock bottom. Next thing you know, you're just done. So if you failure to pay constant attention, and I emphasize constant attention, leads to this drifting away. And then when we drift away, how many times have been, and you don't have to show me hands, uh, but when you've had a situation with uh, a coworker, a friend, or whatever, and then you avoid the person. Okay, you avoided this person for a week. And then you decided to avoid him for like another week and another week. And next thing you know, this avoidance has went on like three months. And you're like, well, I, the, hard, the, the longer the distance span, the harder it is to go back and go to that initial. If it would have happened right at the very beginning, it's like, oh man, I said something really stupid. I'm going to go. I apologize. It's easy. But then you let that time frame expand and expand and then next thing you know it's been like how many years since you've talked to your best friend because of something stupid and the farther you go from the initial incident the harder and harder and harder it gets drifting away from god's word is subtle it can be subtle most times i would think it is subtle when you've missed sunday church okay well then uh then i'll miss i happen to miss the next sunday Next thing I know, it's like, wow, I haven't seen you here for like, what, four and a half months now? And it just gets harder and harder and harder. And then you don't realize that you've drifted away. Last minute corrections may, can be made, but we can still crash into the rocks. Imagine we're in that, that canoe and that's just slowly taking us. We can hit brush on the side, we can hit rocks on the bottom, or we can even go over the falls. So. Only by giving earnest heed that we can avoid that fall. So it is with our salvation, we must be diligent to the task at hand. Paying attention. There's no place for half-heartedness. And I think we've all been there. You get complacent in whatever you're doing. Whatever we're doing. I'll just speak for myself. You get complacent and you just kind of half-hearted oh, okay I'll go to church and then I kind of sneak out and and you're not okay I go to church and, okay I'm a Christian for an hour a week kind of a thing Dr. Jekyll Mr. Christian there's no place for half-hearted Pastor Phil has said this many many times if you can't stand up for God right now when times are relatively good there is no way you can stand up for God when things are bad period that is being half-hearted if, if you've got a half-heartedness well guess what the Antichrist when he comes to power guess what you're gonna have that fun little mark if you don't stand up, if we don't stand up, and that is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. You need to stand up. Yeah, it's going to get bad. But you need to stand up. You need to stand firm for what you believe. And it's not just what you believe, but you need to be able to defend what you believe. Know why you believe what you believe. That's why apologetics is very, very important. Understanding, not just to be able to communicate 
your belief system, but also to refute falsehoods when it comes to religion. Note that we must give more, like I said, earnest. We are to be more earnest than those who heard the word of God spoken through the angels. Because we have the word of God spoken through the Son, which pertains to the salvation greater than that they enjoyed by themselves. They didn't have all this. A lot of them didn't have all this. Like the Israelites before Christ, they didn't have this. Even some of the Israelites after Christ didn't have this. We have the complete counsel. I mean, God gave us what He wanted us to have right here. We have the complete. Do we ignore it? I was embarrassed when I pulled my Bible off that, that two-year stint. When I pulled my Bible off my shelf, I had to brush the dust off of it. I was truly embarrassed. And uh, I cried when I realized what I did. I've wasted two years of my life. I've wasted a lot more than that, but I'm just talking about that one stint. Two years, and I had to wipe the dust off my Bible. That is sad. I don't want to end up that way ever again. To whom more is given, more is required. So ask yourself, and we'll end here in just a couple minutes. Ask yourself, what has God given you? Just to yourself. What has God given you? Are we wasting it? Are we wasting that gift? One of the favorite words that Christ said right before he ascended. Two-letter word. One of my favorites. What was it? What? Bingo. Go and make disciples. And that's what we're supposed to do, is go. And that's why I cried when I pulled my Bible off and I actually grabbed it and had fingerprints on it because it was so dusty. Because I didn't go and do what I'm supposed to do. Do what we are supposed to do. We must give this heed to the things that we have heard. The things that we have heard refer to the Word of God spoken through the Son, the great salvation, the Gospel of Christ, uh, in all aspects. How do we do this? The Bereans provide a good example in a way in which they initially listened, received the Word with all readiness. You sit back. When we go to a Bible study or, or we go to church, do we go to church to sit in the back and fellowship and BS with our buddies, uh, talk and, oh yeah, I can't wait for the game today, and kind of that kind of attitude? Or are we there to, it's like, okay, you have that mindset. I want to get something out of this message. What can I get out of this message? What can I take away from this? And what can I go home and share for the rest of my rest of the week? I mean, don't show no show of hands, because I'm guilty of this. How many times have we, like, in the middle of the week, someone asks you about they missed church, and they ask you about the Sunday that they missed this past Sunday midweek, and someone asks you what it was like, and you couldn't tell them? Think about it. Like I said, I'll, I'll be the first one, I, I'll admit. And I have to sit there and think about it. And I'm not blaming my Alzheimer's either. I just have to sit there and I have to think about it. But then I've made a point. Okay, what am I going to take out of this now? And what am I going to focus on throughout the week? Is focus on this. So how can we do this? The Brians, like I said, the Brians did it. Uh, 
in a way that they followed. They searched the Scripture daily. Are we searching the Scripture daily? That's a question to ask yourselves. Earnest attention wherever God's Word is proclaimed. Earnest study of God's words on your own. Sit back, read. I learned it from Pastor Phil before I prepare a message or whatever. You read the, the text that you want to teach on. I've got a bunch of commentaries and stuff like that. No, I read the text. And then I read the text. And then I read the text again. And I keep reading the text. And then I let the text speak to me. And then if I have an issue with a, a verse, a passage that I'm questioning, not questioning, but don't quite understand, then I look at a commentary, or I look at a dictionary, I look at a word study, find out what the word means, and that kind of helps. But on our own, we have to study His Word. So, We've been blessed to receive a salvation, a great salvation that we have. A salvation then confirmed by God Himself, the Holy Spirit, and those who heard Him. A salvation much greater than any offered before. So the salvation that was offered pre-Christ, prior to Christ, His incarnation, the salvation we have right now is so much greater under the new covenant then I mean I, I just think we have so much more this completed salvation than what Abraham had we have the words of Christ we have the words of the Apostles are we studying those one needs don't reject or actively fight against the great salvation to receive a just reward. Those who simply drift away through neglect will also not escape. If we continue and not, like I said earlier, pay attention. If we notice, if we're studying God's Word every single day, we're in His Word, we're listening or reading or whatever. I listen to the Bible when I go to bed. That's what I listen to when I go to bed. I listen to different CDs and I listen to it. And maybe that's probably why I'm so tired in the morning when I go to work. <laughs> I am up listening and I can't go to sleep. I listen to music, I'm snoring. But I listen and uh, I'll get up after about an hour and 20 minutes and I should be dead asleep. I'll go in there and I'll pop a CD out and I'll put another one in and start listening. I'm like, I should really be in bed right now. I gotta get up in, what, five hours? So, but that's what I hope, that's what I hope my desire to learn continues to be like. Continues to be like that. Have you neglected this salvation that Christ offers? If so, may this first exhortation be found in this book move you to repent and cause you to give the more earnest heed of the gospel. Study God's word. Read it. Have it in your heart. Because if we have God's word in our heart and we're continually studying God's word, A, we're not going to drift away. If we're continually 
always in His Word. We won't drift away. If we have a ritual, we have prayer every single day. We won't drift away. We've got to continue this. And this is what he is trying to emphasize to the readers. He basically was showing and is continually going through. It's going to be a long book. Why? Excuse me. Christ is better. Than the, superior to the prophets, to the angels. We can't walk away. We can't drift. Especially now, understanding why it's so important to understand the context. Of the time frame, time period when it was wrote. He is telling them, no, you cannot drift away now. Stay focused. So I think that's what we need to do. We need to stay focused. Stay in God's Word. Study every day. I was reading, we were we were reading just now our schedule is kind of all wonkish, but we were reading Psalms every single morning. If it's the second, well guess what? We read Psalm 2 or uh, Proverbs, whatever. Uh, Proverbs 2 is what I meant to say. And we'd read it through the month. Guess what? We'd start all over again. Or get a daily devotion. Those are really good books. I got one for my dad before he passed away. Uh, I was able to read it to him a couple times. And uh, But I read that something every single day getting God's word because if we're in God's word we're not going to drift away and then you'll develop that habit and then you'll have that tugging at your heart when you happen to drift away a little bit you'll have that pulling and it'll pull you back in so uh, next week we're going to look at uh, that God was made or actually you are going to be talking about not me, uh, that the sun made a little bit lower than the angels. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. And I hope just someone, uh, that your word got out, not just, not me. Uh, I hope we can take away from this the, just the need to be steadfast in your word, study in your word, stand in your word, that we might not drift away. And I just ask that the, the distractions of life that distract us and pull us away from your word, I just ask that you just help us remove those. Not just not help us remove I ask that you remove these distractions and just, just put in our hearts that fervent desire that we once had, that first love, you. And just put that f desire and that fire in our hearts to learn more about you, to get to know more about this love letter that you wrote us. I just ask again that you just put someone in our, in our paths, Lord, uh, that we can share our faith with someone. Lord, I thank you for this time. And I lift you up and just ask that you work in my heart personally and just keep that fire going in my heart, uh, that desire, that fervent desire to learn more about you and that I can glorify you more in my life, my speech, my actions, and everything that I do. I pray for the families that were here today, uh, safe passages home. Uh, Lord, I can't say enough about how much we love you. And we just lift you up and just may our actions glorify you this week. And pray next week, pray for Jeff uh, next week. 
and we just lift him up and, and lift everyone up here today. And we thank you, Lord, and we just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus. Amen.